Okay, Bokertov. So today's daf is um, daf chaf. Um, so daf chaf, and we pick up about ten lines down. Again, we're the daf behind, but God willing, we will catch up. I will tell you the plan later. Anyway, so ten lines down is the two dots. So who the So we're dealing about who reads the Megillah. We had a whole discussion about somebody who was. Um, deaf and couldn't hear what he was saying and now we deal with the issue of a minor which is bizarre because normally minors cannot are not obligated and therefore cannot um, discharge other people's obligations but Rabbi Huda says a katan is okay let's take a look at the Gemara and earlier we actually made a distinction between a katan and not of the age of training or not so the Gemara doesn't really unpack that let's read the Gemara and then I'll say a word about that okay Tanya we turn to Brisa I'm Rabbi Huda katan Rabbi Tarfan he says, Blood. He said, here's my proof. I was a minor and I read the Megillah in load in the presence of Rebbe Tarfan and the elders. Um, and presumably, Lamal is an interesting point that maybe it means that he was on a raised platform um, and reading it. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's this whole but you raise Sneha Teva. But that's naturally, people think that that means like this idea of this indent in the ground, which actually um, is not the case um, because there's no evidence of that in the ancient architecture. Anyway, it might mean that the. Uh, Vis-a-vis that the uh, that the Aron was at a higher plane. It's discussing about where the Aron was located, vis-a-vis where the Shliach Tibor was located. Anyway, and I read it in the presence of Rabbi Tarfin and the elders. Armulo, they said to him, Amy Vim Raimina Kotan, ah, you were a minor, so we can't take the testimony of a minor. <laughs> Which is a pretty convenient response. Um, so, um, uh, it reminds me of, uh, I was reading about like the Roe v. Wade decision, and you know, initially, basically, they wanted to um, the, some, the, 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 those that were opposing um, you know, any change in the abortion law wanted to refuse to see that, the court, that the case should be heard by the Supreme Court because by the time it was, it, anything would get to the Supreme Court the per- woman would have already had the baby she would no longer be able to have an abortion so therefore she had no standing so therefore she couldn't bring the case to the court um, so <laughs> the same type of a point you know okay by the time it's whatever anyway I saw some parallel there anyway okay you can't bring proof from the Bible Tanya they taught I was a minor and I read it in the presence of Rabbi Yehuda. So here's Rabbi Yehuda saying it. They said to him, You cannot bring a proof from the one who permits it. Of course Rabbi Yehuda was fine with it. Rabbi Yehuda is the one who says a cut and can read. That doesn't, there's no additional evidence. So the Gemara says, How about the other response? Which is, you are a minor. We can't take the testimony of a minor. So no. They were saying one and another. Number one, Number one, you are a minor. So any testimony you give about what you did when you were a minor is inadmissible. So, oh, and secondly, even if you were an adult, which of course then would make the whole case irrelevant, but let's say you were an adult observing some other minor who read it in the presence of Rabbi Yehuda, you can't bring any proof from the fact that the one who said it's permissible said it was permissible. That doesn't mean a proof, a larger proof that anybody acknowledged that it was permissible. So anyway, the issue is that, so the Gemara leaves it at that. It doesn't really analyze this position of a minor, but Tosus basically spells it out that since the reading of a Megillah is a rabbinic obligation, although it is interesting, you know, some of the um, um, uh, postkim and uh, whatever, Mepharshim, try to conceptualize a distinction between the Megillah at night and the Megillah today. The Megillah at night, they say, is a rabbinic obligation. The Megillah today, they frame as, it's a mitzvah midivrei sofrim because it's derived so it's from the level. verses that's at a higher level. And again, that's giving priority to the one at the day. But anyway, but okay, it's only and not, therefore. either one is not biblical, and therefore maybe somebody who's only rabbinically obligated could discharge the obligation of a rabbinic obligation. Mm-hmm. Of course, well, Tosos doesn't distinguish in this regard, but I was just adding that point in. But of course, that's not so clear from two perspectives. Number one is, is that, you know, it's what Tosos calls, and Tosos recognizes this and just points out why this is not so obvious and why it's problematic, is it's a double derabanan, meaning for the minor, he's rabbinically obligated in a rabbinic mitzvah. It puts him one level lower in le- degrees of obligation than an adult who's obligated in a rabbinic mitzvah. So just because we're all within rabbinic territory doesn't mean all bets are off. The other interesting thing to ask is when we say that there's that there's a rabbinic uh, obligation in terms of chinuch, who's rabbinically obligated? Right? Normally we think that it's the parents. I mean, there's mm-hmm. the answer to the question parents or father, you know, the mother in terms of chinuch, another conversation. But normally we think that it's the parents that are obligated to, you know, to be mechanech their kids. 
and to train their kids in the mitzvot. To say that the kid is rabbinically obligated is a little bit ironic, right? He's a minor, so he can't be, he's not of an age where he can, he can be biblically obligated, but the rabbi's obligated. Well, what's the rabbi's power to obligate him if he's, all, if he's excluded from the system of obligation? So it's a very funny idea, but some do understand there is some concept that he is rabbinically obligated to do it, um, and uh, that seems to fit in with this idea of Rebbe Yehuda. Um, or another completely different approach is not to focus on the sense of obligation and an individual discharging another d- individual's obligation, which is normally the framework that we look at, but is to look at it from the context of Pirsume Nisa. You know, there's a public reading of the Megillah, it accused Pirsume Nisa, maybe we don't have to so much look at it at like whose level of obligation, you know, in that personal sense more in the fact that this public ritual took place. Think, for example, the idea, if you think in the context of public ritual, that the, uh, who can get an aliyah, right? The famous mission says, right, which actually we're going to get to, right, is in principle, hakol olim leminyan shiva, right? And, it, well, no, bemis amru, right, that an isha gets an aliyah, katan can get an aliyah, there's issues of kavod hatzibor, but the normal principles of, like, mitzvah shazman grama, or bar and being an adult don't really apply. Fundamentally, there's a much broader range of who can get an aliyah because maybe you're not looking at it as personal obligation and discharging my personal obligation and you have to have the same level maybe we're just looking at it as a certain type of a communal ritual and therefore maybe anybody you know can participate in it um, so that's a certain that's a, I think an interesting other way of thinking of the katan it would still raise the question then why exclude even the cherish and the shote but maybe you could say that their type of reading is of a different quality you know if they're not able to hear what you're saying or if whatever so Anyway, it's an qu- interesting question about whether to think that maybe something completely different is going on here in the context of it being not a private reading. Maybe a private reading would be different, but a public reading and maybe so something about that. the whole Pirsume Nisa aspect of it that makes you think differently in the, than the sense of personal obligation. That's an idea I'm putting out there, um, but again, um, it bears further investigation. We don't rule like Reb Yehuda, so the whole point is true. <laughs> okay? <laughs> no. We, I mean, I you give Katan Aliyah to some places, uh, like Sardis communities, they give Mafia and so on, right? I mean, so that's so that, okay. So, so if you like the idea I was putting out there, hold off. We'll re- discuss it when we get to Kriyat Torah. But I'm just saying, by Megillah, we don't rule this way. Wait, for whatever reason, maybe different. Yeah, because 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 Megillah certainly the je- is, is taken as a personal obligation, whereas Kriyat Torah is only a Tzibur obligation. I don't have a personal obligation if I'm home and I didn't go to show to read the Torah by myself. Or I don't even have a personal obligation so don't tell the, 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 the people say you shouldn't tell people this because then people won't go to show. But I don't have a personal obligation to go to show and hear Kriyat Torah. It's only an obligation on the community, right? So therefore you can frame it in the way I did. Megillah, we start by framing it as a personal obligation. So what I put out there is more of a Chiddush, yes. That's true, Minion as a whole. Mm-hmm. Correct. That I don't. Yeah. Um, so far, unless I missed it, women are not prohibited from reading. Not only not prohibited, there is. I mean, right? They're not. They're, you know, it exclude. It, it, they are. There is nothing that gives them any different status, right? The only people excluded here was Chera Shot and Katan, and um, you know, the mission first mission Erechin is Hakol Chayavim Hakol Asuyei The Gemara says all the simple sense of it is that not only are women obligated, which everybody acknowledges, but that it's the same level of obligation as men and can read for men. It's only because of the Tosefs and the Bahag and whatever the strength enters into Ashkenazic thought that introduce an idea that maybe women are obligated but at a different level. But certainly nothing in the Gemara indicates that. Okay, let's take a look at the next Mishnah. In Karnesam Gilad, Velo Malin, Velo Tovlin, Velo Mazin, so now that we're dealing, now we're getting really like into the concrete aspects of the mitzvah. So we discussed how the reading is done. We're discussing now, so that's the how. Then we did the who, who is obligated. Now we're sort of at, and a little bit, I guess, of the what, uh, uh, of the, uh, well, what we know. Anyway, now we're at the when. So when is it done? So we, it's done at the day. And in this context, though, we make a much broader statement in this mission and the next mission about day mitzvot. And the first point we're making is implicitly everything we're listing here are day mitzvot. So that's point number one that's being asserted. And point number two, which is the greater emphasis, at least of this Mishnah, is that a day mitzvah should begin after sunrise. I'll get back and reread the list, but let's just point to finish this point. But even though day mitzvot begin at, um, should begin at sunrise, if you did them from the time the morning star arose, it is kasher. The morning star is basically um, assumed to be 
72 minutes before, for meal before sunrise. Um, okay, so, and we'll talk in a minute about what this idea is, is about a lechatchila time to start a day mitzvah and a bidiyeva time. So what are these mitzvot? Reading of the Megillah, bris milah, tevila, now I'll discuss tevila in a minute, um, mazim is the sprinkling of the ashes of the paraduma for uh, somebody who's tmei maize. And a Shomer Shiyom Kinegidiyom, a woman who bled one or two days not during her menstrual period, um, she has to wait one clean day, one day of no bleeding, and then she goes to the mikvah. So, um, and, um, and she goes to mikvah. So, if she had, she, she saw some blood on Sunday, so Monday, she waits until that she did not see blood, and once some of Monday day has entered in, and she has not, and, and, and there's not been any blood, then she goes to the mikvah on that day. So so that's the, that's going to, that's going in the daytime. That's Shomer Shiyom Kineged Yom. You have to wait till sunrise of the following day of Monday. What? That's right. So the question is, why is that different than the Tzila we said before? Why is Shomer Shiyom being singled out? So the Gemara is going to discuss that. Let's take a look at the Gemara. Minolan, where's this coming from? Damar Kradver says, meaning Minolan, at least of the first statement of the Megillah, these days are remembered and performed. So, and we discussed before the whole idea of zichirav, memory being the ritual of reading, of not just remembering in your mind. Um, and it says, hayamim, bayom in belaylo no, only, only in the day, not at night. It's so, meaning the first thing we're going to establish by all of these is that they're day mitzvot. Then we're going to establish the second point of the issue of Netzachama and Alosashacha, how do you define day? But the first thing we establish is it's a day mitzvah. So the Gemara says, Let's say this is the contradiction of Rabbi Yoshoban Levi. The person has to read the Megillah at night and repeat it during the day. And here it only mentions the day obligation. It doesn't mention the night. It sounds like there's no night obligation. So the Gemara says, Kiktani Adiyom. No, when the mission says that the day mitzvah, that the mitzvah Megillah is in the day, starts from starts from Hinechama. It means the day mitzvah Megillah is at the day, but it doesn't. It's, it's talking about what when the day is marked. It doesn't talk about. It's not. There's also a night mitzvah which it's not addressing. Now that's the Gemara's answer. But I will say, not only do uh, like uh, modern academics, but even you know Achronim have pointed out that that is not historically correct. That the Mishnah also believed in a nighttime mitzvah of reading already. The Pnei Yoshua says the Mishnah. No, maybe it's the Shagas says the Mishnayot and the Tanaitic material have no knowledge of a nighttime mitzvah of reading the Megillah. This is an, an idea that was introduced by Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. And here they say the point that I said before, which is that we, that they call the, the day reading a mitzvah midirah sofrim because it's based on the verses of the Megillah, and the night mitzvah a mitzvah midirabanan. And that actually again is significant because people are so much more you know mocked about the night one, and in practice. <coughs> If you had to choose between going to a night reading and a day reading, you should go to the day reading. The day reading is the primary mitzvah. So the reason the Mishnah doesn't mention it is not just because it wasn't discussing it. It doesn't mention it because it doesn't know of it. Okay, but the Gemara manages to reconcile it and say, no, we're talking about the day reading. We're not coming to exclude a night reading. Okay. The low malim, bris mila is only during the day. Dichsiv, ubayom hashmini yimo. And on the eighth day you shall do the mila, which means, right. So there actually is an interesting discussion if it's mila shlo bizmana is night excluded. Um, so this is minimally excluding the night of the eighth. The night, you know, preceding the eighth. But because it only begins the day of the eighth. Whether day, it must be day if it's, if it's done later, that's actually discussed. Yes. Yeah, so the idea that the day mitzvah and the night mitzvah for Megillah are different brings the possibility that maybe the obligation and who can read might be different. Right. So there are those, Rabbi Weiss, in an article that he wrote in the Torah Mata Journal, whatever, but um, you know, basically there are those who put out that even for people who want to be concerned with the, you know, position that Tosos introduces, that women's obligation is at a different level, and so on, you know, that, um, that maybe to limit that type of a concern to the day mitzvah, but the night mitzvah, you know, where it's clearly anyway at a different level, so, you know, and this concern is not shot in the Gemara, and so on, and maybe conceptually you can frame this issue differently. So, yes, there is that, that, there is that idea that's put out there, which works conveniently because, for, because, as I said, because the night one is the one that in, in practice, if not in halacha, everybody makes a much bigger deal about. Um, so yes, all right. Moving on. Velo malim dechiv of yamashmini yimo. Velo tovlim velo mazim. So you do, do not do the tvila and the hazav for paraduma. I'm going to say something about tvila in a minute. Let's read the gemara. Dechiv 
It's because it says, Izatahur al the, the one who is Tahur shall sprinkle the ashes on the one who is Tameh, but Yom Hashvi'i, on the day of the seventh. So not earlier, it has to be the day of the seventh. The Iskish, Tvila Lehazaya, and the Tvila that you're Tovel in the process of being tar from the Tara Duma is connected to the sprinkling. Now, what Tvila are we talking about? So there's a long Tosas, and Tosas basically demonstrates that the Gemara understands that actually there are two tevilas that take place in the context of sprinkling the ashes of the paraduma. One is you do a tevila prior to the sprinkling to prepare you, you know, for the act of sprinkling. That's not really clear in the verses. And then the other is you do a tevila after the sprinkling, which is uh, clear in the verses that that is what is done. So which one are we saying has to be during the day? So Tosa says, well, it would seem that we're saying that because we say Toglin Vimazin, we're talking about the Tvila prior to the sprinkling has to be the day. The only problem is that evidence from other Gemaras show that the Tvila prior to the Hazaya could be at night. So that doesn't work. So maybe we're talking about the Tvila after the sprinkling. He says, but the problem is, like we just said a minute ago relating to the issue of the Brismila, and there it was debated, but here it's clear after the sprinkling was done in the day, when we say tevila, let's say anybody who does a tevila, a zava does a tevila, a zav does a tevila, we say it has to be in the day of the seventh. That's only the first time, the earliest time you could do it is day of the seven and not the night before. But if you wanted to do it later, you could do a tevila the following night, mm-hmm. right? The night of the tevila is in the day, only is the er- first time you can do it is the daytime. But afterwards, you can do it in the night. So it says the same about sprinkling of the ashes of the paraduma, right? If I sprinkle the ashes of paraduma on you, right? So then, it's, and that has to be daytime, because we already said that has to be day. If we're talking about the tefillah after, that doesn't have to be day. That can be now, it's, it has to come after, so it's already going to be day of the seven, and it can actually be at night, so it doesn't make any sense to say it has to be day. So Tosos actually says, and this is very creative, that tovlin here does not mean you go into the mikvah. It means the immersion of the hyssop into the waters of the paraduma. And he actually brings evidence that says that if you do the dipping at night and the sprinkling at the day, it's not good. That you actually have to dip it in the water in the day and then do the what sprinkling. Right before Amr Shachar, it's one minute before Amr Shachar. I dip it and then it's Amr Shachar and then I sprinkle it. Okay, so that's how Tosus reads it. So anyway, all right, which gets us then to the issue of Shemer Sion, because the actual halacha is that any time that the Torah does speak about being tovel, in the, you know, like waiting and being tovel, seven days for a zav or a zava and then being tovel, or, and so on, you know, that that earliest time, the one exception is Anita. Anita waits seven days from the onset, and then she is to, um, uh, tovelet, um, you know, at the night, that follow, that at the end of a full seven days. But normally, if there's a period of like seven day clean days, like by a Zav and a Zava, you know, or Mitzora, there's this process, and then after a long process, of a cleansing type of a process, there's a going to the mikvah, right? And that, is, that, that takes place on the day of the seven and not the night before. Okay, so that is, um, you know, that's the issue of Bayom. So the question is then, so that's true really by anybody who goes to the mikvah, but once it's, once the day of the seven, if you do it late, you can do it in the night time. It's just the earliest time is the day of the seven, not the night of the seven. So the question becomes why the Mishnah singles out Shomeris Yom, since this is really true about anybody who goes to the mikvah, you go in the first thing in the day, why single out Shomeris Yom? Or you're allowed to go as early as the day, but no, uh, as the beginning of the day, but no earlier. Um, so the Gemara says like this: Pita, obviously, all people who have to go to the mikvah, right? The first, if you have to wait a day, then you can't do it at night. You have to wait till the beginning of the day. Again, as I said, once the day begins, you can do it following that at night as well. But if you had to wait a day, then the first thing you can do it is in the morning, not earlier. So why is that different from anybody else? It's direct. No, you need to tell me this. I would have thought to say to have a career that a woman who bleeds one day, not during her cycle, should be like a man who has a penile emission, a za 
zav, which is not semen, and that so that's a zav and a zav, they're in somewhat of a similar category. And the first few times, you know, they're not, they, or whatever, one time, two times, they're not yet in the full status. So I would have made a comparison. And we know that a man who's a zav, if it's only one time, it's the same status as a seminal emission until it's twice. This is the rule of the one with man with the flow and the one who comes from him a seminal emission. So, I, so those are halachically linked, and that actually is true. That after somebody, a man has had one uh, type of a z of a zav of a flow, he has the status of a balkeri. So I would have said ma balkeri tova biyom. So the same way the balkeri goes to the mikvah the day he sees, right? This is a case that you don't wait to go. There, are, there are sometimes you have to wait a day, but sometimes, like if you touch the dead carcass or the man was a balkeri, you go the day that this happened. Um, so in this case. So So therefore, this one also can be uh, this one, meaning a a zav could be tov of the same day, and if a zav could be tov of the same day, maybe a zava could be tov of the same day that she saw her first spot of blood. Um, but we know that a zava cannot go the very day that she saw the spot of blood. Because the verse says, all the days of her flow, like the like the uh, like like the uh, like the seed of a nida of a, of a menstrual woman, shall be for her. So now, what does that prove? So all it proves is this word of yiyela should be for her, from which the rabbis learned this concept of shomeris yom kineged yom, which means again, which means that if a woman bleeds again, I'll say this again. One, the halacha is like this: a woman who is not during her menstrual cycle, if she sees three days in a row, blood, she's considered a Zavagdola and she needs to wait seven clean days. And that's what we sort of pattern our current laws of Nida on, that idea of a seven clean days. But if she only bleeds one or two days, not during her menstrual period, then she waits one day without seeing any blood, and then she goes to the mikvah. And that's what we're talking about. Shomer's yom, keneged yom. She observes a day opposite the day that she bled. Even if she bleeds two days, she only has to observe one day. And in that one day that she's not seeing anything, she goes to the mikvah, she can go even early in the morning, and she's to hurrah. So, but it's, and we learn that from the word yihia. Yihia shall be, we learn that equal to the, the fact that she saw blood on a day, yihia, she has to observe an equal, a corresponding day of tahara. So the basic upshot of this being that a zava cannot, unlike a zava in a balkari, a zava cannot go to the mikvah on the day that it occurred. He has to wait till the next day. Okay, so we learn that you have to wait till the next day, but there's still something pulling us to want to do it the same day because of this comparison to a Zav and a Balkari. So therefore, I might have been inclined to say, Why not say the observing, Shomeris Yom, that she's not bleeding, why not say that that happens at the beginning of the night? Why do you have to wait till the next morning? So she saw some blood Sunday day. Why not say, okay, we get this idea that she, like, logically she should have been able to go to the mikvah on Sunday. Like, just like a Zav and a Balkari, uh, uh, like a Balkari and a Zav the first day. But the Torah says she has to observe the period of being, of being not bleeding. Why not say the period of not bleeding is a little bit of Sunday night and go to the mikvah Sunday night, the tithful. So she's not somebody that fundamentally, it's not like one of these ideas like a full Zav or like, you know, uh, somebody who touched a dead body that has an idea of a seven-day period. Basically, the idea is she should be able to go right away, but she has to observe a small amount of time that she's not bleeding. So why do you have to wait till the daytime? Let her do it at night and go at night. So I might have thought that as opposed to other people, she should be able to go at night and not have to wait till the day. Kanash Milan, so it's teaching us, even to buy a svira, since the Torah says the Safarla by a Zava, that she has to count seven full days, and this is somewhat similar to a Zava, she's like one or two days, so there's an idea of counting the Sphira Biyamamahi to say, designate that there was a clean day, not just that there was a period that she didn't leave, but a clean day that has to be in the daytime for it to count as a clean day. Okay, so this is, again, it's a little confusing, but the idea is, there are people A you can go let's just not just leave with a misunderstanding you can go to the mikvah at night first of all nowadays women always go to the mikvah at night right and the Torah neither goes to the mikvah at night the issue is that when there's a period of like clean days that the Torah designates a zav a zava a mitzorah tmeimes and so on that that period right is a, let's say a, normally it's a seven day period that period ends on day seven and this by the way the, 
important principle here that they didn't say explicitly is like the idea of like seven, like the, on the seventh day of Avelos, the idea of mitzvah yom kikula, right? So it's a seven day period. The chiddush here is, is that it's a seven day period, but you don't have to wait till the end of seven days. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the seventh day, you can already go to the mikvah. Okay? But, just like Avelos, somebody doesn't get up from Avelos the night, before, you know, even though it's the halakhically the seventh day, you have to wait till the morning of the seventh day. So here, too, you wait till the morning of the seventh day and goes to the mikvah. That's the principle. So it has to wait till the morning. Okay, so the Gemara says, that is generally the principle. If we have a seventh day, it has to go into the daytime of the seventh day to count. And even Shomeris Yom Kineged Yom, which isn't the idea of seven days, it's just an idea of a Shemira period, there is an idea of counting one day, and therefore it has to go into the daytime of the next day before going to the mikvah. Okay, but once that has, period has arrived, the day of the seventh day or the day of the following day for Shemer's Yom, then if you postponed it, you could certainly go the following night. Okay, so that's the idea of these things being in the day. Okay, yes? Because as I'm telling you, all these other cases, there's a period of tahara. Like the Nida, she could be bleeding all seven days. All these other cases, it's seven clean days. No, no, I understand. So you have to fill the seven clean days, and the, the idea is the beginning of the seven counts like the full seven. So, like, yeah, but you're missing, like, low plug, right? So just like other people... It's not low plug, it's a completely different process. Okay. And all of them, if you did them, now we get... So these are ideas that these are daytime things. Now we get to the idea of defining the day. So it should start at Hanei Tzachama, but if you did it from the morning star, you were Yotze. So, Minani um, Mili, where do you get this from? Amar Rav Adam says, God called the light day. So, the, so we're saying, now, here's the drasha, which one might say is not the pshat, but here's the drasha. So when it was beginning to give light, he called that period day. So not when only, not the light, first of all, which is a funny idea, right? Light isn't called day, light is called light. What does it mean God called light day? So it means he means the period of light. But the Gemara is reading it, what does it mean the period of light? When it began to become light, he called that period day. So when does it begin to become light? Before sunrise. It begins to become light, Adam of Shachar. So that already is called day. So the Gemara says, Elameata, which you read it that way, the Lachoshech Karalayla, it says he called the darkness night. So darkness isn't night, it means the period of darkness is night. And we'll read it as, Lemachshichuvah as it is getting dark, he called it night. So if you want to read as it's getting light, it's considered day. Let's say as it's getting dark, it's considered night. But that's not true. That's dusk. Hakaimalan, but we hold, God says, until the stars come out, it's not night. So Ella Amarabizera Mehaha. So Rebizera says from here. So you're right, you can't get it from there because then you won't have the parallel. But here and again, interestingly, quoting a verse in Nehemiah, which gets us back to Beis Amikdash and the Binyan Beis Amikdash, which is exactly the context of this Omasechta. Vanagnu Osim Din Lacha, we were doing the work of building the Beis Amikdash. Half of the people were bearing like spears, they were the guards. Me'alosa Shachar Adseta Kohavim. From the morning star, from the morning star until the stars came out, the Omer and the verse says, "The nighttime was the time of guarding, and the daytime was the time of working." So you see, it says that they were working from Alosa Shachar till Tzeis, and it said they were working in the day. So that's a fine day. So my the Omer, why do you need the second verse? It already says from the Alot till Tzeis. You might have said, No, maybe they were working from Alos, but it doesn't mean that that was day. Maybe that was even before daybreak. And maybe as soon as the sun set, it was already night, and they were just working late till Tzais. How do you know that the daytime they were working, Matt, was defined as daytime? Maybe they were starting early and ending late. The Inu Mati Inu Mechashchi, and they would start early and ended late. Tashma, come and hear the verse. The Hayuanu Halayla Mishma Vayom Lachat says that they work during the day. So you see, the period of Alotil Tzeis is defined as the day. Now, this does not exactly answer why Lachatchila you should wait till Neitzachama. Neitzachama. By the way, everybody says it wrong. Everybody says Neitzachama as that's the Hey with the Hey Hayidiyah the Neitzachama, but it's not. He Neitz. It's about, anyway, the, the, it's, it's part of the verb. Anyway, well, exactly. Good example. Anyway, 
So anyway, why lechatchila are you supposed to wait to heinei tzachama? Why is it? Why is almud hashachar only b'diavet? So Rashi says, well, because everybody knows when sunrise is, so that's a good clear time. If you say you can do it from almud hashachar, you know it's cloudy, you'll see a shiny, you won't know. People will say it too early. It's not very easy to identify, and therefore it's just like a rabbinic safeguard. That's the way. What? Yeah, whatever, a rabbinic safeguard. That's what Rashi says. But it's possible to say something at a more conceptual level. And this was what Rasalvechik said. And it gets to this issue here about Lemeyer Uba, Lemach and so on. Which is, you know, that really there are like these periods, right? You have sunrise, right? And then you have the morning star. I don't know why I'm doing this. Anyway, I'm doing this right for left. Where are your pictures? I know. Anyway, I'm not going to interrupt this. Sunrise, you know, the morning star, right? With the Bamar Shachar. Right? Then you have sunset and fake. Now we have terms for these middle periods, right? Right? This this is dusk. Right? What's this period between the morning star? Do we have a term for that? Well first light? Dawn. Dawn, I guess. The what? Don is, is the point, not the period. All right. So anyway, so this, but okay, but this is somewhat parallel. Maybe we don't have a term for it, but this is somewhat parallel. So the question is, right, what's day and what's night? Like, what do you do? Is this, these are like gray. They literally are somewhat gray. Okay, these are like gray, right? This is, and the rest is like black and white, right? That's black and this is all. So this is clearly day. What do you do with these periods that are somewhere between, right, the twilight zone, right, somewhere between day and night? That's the question. So the so so the you know so what so that's the idea of lemeir uba. What do you do when it's become light and it's not yet light? Or lemachshich uba. It's getting dark, but it's not yet fully dark. What is the halachic status of these gray zones? So the, so so the idea is that from Amar Shachar till Hengei Tachama, the halachic status is that this is like this is the way Rosalvetik says. This is like b'diavet yom. The love status is that it really is day, but it's not yet like fully day. But it's technically, bottom line, it is day. But, you know, not, not fully. So therefore, don't lichachila read at this point, because yet, this isn't like fully day. Full day only begins here. But it is partial day. Okay? And therefore, because it is partial day, b'diyevid yiriyot. Now, what's the story from sunset until it's at dusk? What do we call that? Well, what do we call this period? Beinashmachos. What's the status if you do something, Beinashmachos? It's a suffix, yeah. right? Beinashmachos right? is a suffix, right? So if you did it, so here, the way we deal with the gray is we say, that it's dead. Here, the way we deal with the gray is halakhically we give it a status as being a period of doubt. So, so often people understand that the reason this is a suffix, Beinosh Mashos, is we don't know when, when, when Seisok Kuchavim occurred during that time. What the, what the Rav said is, it's not like we don't know. It's like we're trying to figure out what status do we give the period between sunset and say. What do we give that period? And that is a halachic status of being a mix. If you were doubtful, because really this is a mix of day and night. Okay? Now you can understand, so you say, well, that's not parallel which is sort of the issue the Gemara is saying, right? Why don't we say that if this is Bidiyavid day, this is Bidiyavid night, right? Why one do we define as a mix and the other we define... So a mix so, what, no good Well, it's, no, it's a mix of the suffix Bidiyavid. So a period which is both day and night or a mixture of day and night or quasi-day and night is, is a suffix. And that's why things done Bein HaShemashos have a status of suffix. Suffix young, suffix lila. So the, I think that the reason that it's not fully parallel is as the day is growing lighter, the mayor Uba, you understand that there's an idea of sort of seeing this as the beginning of day. That it's getting lighter and lighter and lighter. You, so although it's still darkness, it's still dark out there, you will see that Bidiyevet is day, because the light is growing. Of course, you know, you could have said the same here. It's getting dark, so it's the beginning of night. But again, I think it's just the human desire towards light. So even though it's getting dark, we're like hanging on to the sort of remnants of the light that are still there. We're not yet ready to give up the day yet, right? And therefore, this period, it doesn't get tipped in either direction. It remains halakhically like a suffix. Okay, so that's just, I think, an important way of sort of thinking about these uh, periods that we're dealing with. Yes? Yeah, that's the way you're saying it. Yes. What I find interesting about your... Uh your graphic is that in the middle is all about the sun, and at the two extremes, it's all about stars. 
So in this middle section area, the question is, is the sun yet doing its work? Uh-huh. Is the sun yet doing its work? It's not really a mixture. In this section, is the sun doing no, its work? I'm sorry, between sunrise and uh, Amar Shachar and yes. between... Right. Uh, right. And, is the, and the question is, when is the sun right. shining? Right. When has the sun made made its day? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Charlie? Yeah, those verses from Nehemia yeah. uh, are simply describing the practicality of when they could be right. build the walls of their slime. Right. But the proof is not that they worked from Amagashaka to say, but that they labeled it Yom. That's the proof. That's why the Mark said we needed the extra verse. If they hadn't labeled it Yom, it wouldn't have proven anything. Yes, Michael. So, so according to, to at least the way I understand this, the other thing, okay, but according to Rashi, it's more of like, you might not know, but if I for sure I knew, like, it was a nice clear day. Right. And then, then it should really be right. pants. Exactly. Right. Exactly. All right. So now let's take a look at the next Mishnah. So that got us to the definition of when day begins and was sort of incidentally identifying which are some things that are day mitzvot, that require day. The point of this Mishnah, not radically different, but the point of this Mishnah is to identify a list of things that are day mitzvot, again, and B, if you want, to also point out not the beginning, but the, that they begin, can begin as early as Amr Shacha, but should, should begin as an Eitzachama, but to point out the end, that they can go the entire day, till the end of the day. Okay, so let's take a look. Kolayom, the entirety of the day, Kosher Likriya Tamigilah, can be for the reading of the Migilah. So yesterday, Mitzvah begins at Enet, Bidyevet at Amr Shacha, but this point is, but can go all the way, if you didn't do it at the beginning, can go the whole day. Although Halal is normally said at Shachris, if somehow you forgot it was Rosh Chodesh or whatever, you skipped it, you can say Halal later in the day. Same point, although we do the Kiyot HaShofar towards the uh, beginning, you can do it technically the whole day. Taking the Lulav, davening Musaf, Musafim, and actually bringing the Korban Musaf. What? Yeah, is not the whole day. Mincha is not the whole day. Okay, well, the Gemara is going to say there are basically the same point. But it's a Chiddush, right? Because we know other aspects of our davening. Shachris is only in the morning. Mincha is only in the afternoon. Musaf is the whole day. Ulevidoy haparim, the um, the vidoy, uh, the um, confession done over various cows that are brought, like par helam davashel tibor, and other types of times that oxes are brought, and there's a special vidoy that, that's and the, for the blood to be sprinkled inside the kodesh, and there's a vidoy that's done. So levidoy maaser, the test, uh, the confession done when one person uh, brings the maaser after it's been sort of stored up in the house. Ulevidoy yomakipurim, and the vidoy done on Yom Kippur presumably not talking about the Vidoy we do in show but the Vidoy the Kohen Gadol does on Yom Kippur um, what? Uh, over the Seir uh, and over the par so over just, the animals so you can do it at the end of the day like hours after you board it, it doesn't really make no no you can bring it later in the day you have to do it while the animal's still alive it's not talking about what other things have to be in place Okay, you can't bring the Musa, for example, after the coming Shabbat Arbayim is brought. Okay, but it's talking about uh, the day, the, the the time of day per se does not limit you. I didn't really need Vidu for the bringing the part. That too, we'll talk about it. Fine, we'll see it in the Gemara. Okay, um, now really all acts of avoda in the Beit Hamikdash both require day but can take place any time in the day. Um, whether it's doing smicha on the korbanot, putting the hands on the korbanot, shechting the korbanot, tenufa, the waving that's done with uh, various korbanot, lahagasha by a mincha, touching the mincha to the altar is done as a part of the avoda, lahakmitza, taking the hand breath from the mincha, lahaktara, burning the mincha, the hand breath, limlika, you know, severing the neck of a bird sacrifice, lakabala, catching the blood of a of a of a of a of a, of a, of a, of a mammal, what the cow or the sheep, lahazaya, sprinkling the blood, Lashkaya Sota, the the ritual of the Sota water, La Rifa Ta'agala, breaking Egla, thank you, <laughs> breaking the neck of the uh, calf that's done with the, uh, you don't know who the murderer is, Litara Samitsora, cleansing the Mitsora, the whole thing about the birds and the sprinkling and all of that. So all of those are day mitzvot and can be done any time in the day, or day rituals. And here are two nighttime rituals that can be done any time at night, and they're nighttime rituals, two points being made. Number one, the cutting of the grain for the Omer, 
And number two, the burning of the fats that were not finished burning the day before. Now, the burning of the fats actually doesn't have to wait till night, begins the day before, uh, but can proceed, continue through the night and go the entire night. Zeklav, this is the principle. Something that can be done in the day can be done the whole day. Something can be done at night. Can be done the whole night. Again, it's a pretty, pretty principle zeklav because I can tell you other things that are mitzvahsubayom, like you know, how about chakras? Right? I mean, you imagine Musaf, not everything is true, it can be done the whole day. And uh, like calling Katsaras Chalavin Mitzvaso Balayla, what? To fill in Gandhi, right? I'm just, what? That's all day, correct. So, you know, so, right. And, uh, you know, and again, calling like Hector Chalavin Mitzvaso Balayla, when it begins the day before, it's an interesting type of a Zed But the point is, as a general rule, Things, although we tend to do certain things in the morning, you know, bris meal, other types of things, most of the general rule is these things really are good the whole day. And things that are that can be done at night generally can be done the whole night. Minalan, where do you know this from? The Amar Kra, the verse says, so again, where do you know the Megillah part from? The verse says, So again, just tells us, Yamin, day. And presumably, no reason to limit it to specific hours in the day. And we had that before when we were discussing the whole idea of Halal, you might remember, about doing a Kisidran, we quoted the same verse. So from sunrise to sunset, what better proof do you need that for the whole day? Rev Yosef Omer, Zayom Hashem. This is the day, the whole day. Again, day, no limits. Singing its day. Okay, no particular limits to it. Because the prayer parallels the sacrifice. The vidui parim, the the confession done over the various times when you would bring a a, a special like par par helam davar shel par kohen gadol. Um, so those cases normally when it's like a communal type of a sacrifice, the yoli kapara kapara yom kippurim. You learn out the word atoning from yom kippur. Tiny gabi yom kippurim. The chiter b'ado v'ad beito. The kohen will make an atonement for himself and his household. The chaparus tvarim akasim medaber. Talking about an atonement of words, about a recitation of a vidui. The chaparu b'yamamu, and we know that takes place in the day. The chiter b'yom hazeh yichaper alechem on this day. So you don't make, you can't like do the confession the night before. Again, some of this is pretty obvious since all the other aspects of the sacrifice have to be in the day, which we're about to see. Okay, so that's about the idea of the confession. It's, I think it skips Alvidu Maiser, no, and the, and the confession of Maaser. This is after three years, you let your Maiser gather up, then you sort of bring it all out and you distribute it and you make this confession. So, I have distributed or removed the holy thing from the house this day God commands you so that declaration has to be in the day so it's telling you number one it has to be in the day but it could be the whole day to the placing of the hands in the shechning of the korbanos you should place hands in shech and it says on the day of your slaughtering the day you wave the Omer. Touching the sacrifice to the altar is connected to the waving. By the sota. And he waves it and then the creed. And he brings it close. So the creed has understood this ritual of touching it to the altar. And it's juxtaposed to the tenufa. We learned that the tenufa is the day. So the act of touching it to the altar is also in the day. All these other things, the severing of the head of the bird, the taking of the hand breath, the offering of it, the sprinkling, the day he commanded to bring the sacrifices, all things of the sacrifice have to be in the day. Of course, once you got to that pasuk, who needed everything that came before? Just tell us everything about the sacrifice has to be in the day. So, it's quite possible it could have just had that pasuk. Rashi tells us try to have reasons why maybe I would have needed some of those earlier psukim, why maybe I couldn't have included everything in this umbrella statement. But anyway, all things of sacrifice are in the day. Uvashkaya sota, the sota water, having the woman drink the water. Asya Torah Torah. 
connection to the word Torah. It says here, the Asala Koenis Kohatara Hazot, the country do all of this process. Viksiv Hasam, it says there, Apiatara Sheyaruchavala Mishpata Sheyamulachata Ase, by the uh, idea of the uh, basin. And it says, Ma Mishpatayon, so the same way judgment occurs in the daytime. Uh, and Rashi quotes, if you look at Rashi, gives you the Pasuk. Viksiv Vayabiyom Hanchilor Panav, by ta- uh, a, a Pasuk about bequeathing. So bequeathing doesn't seem like it's a court case. It's a person who's bequeathing something. But the Torah basically, the Gemara basically learns that that's also, that the whole laws of bequest and of inheritance are considered a part of like mishpat and judgment. So anyway, through that linking, we get the idea that judgment occurs during the day. The legal system works in the day. So my mishpat biyom, afkan biyom, therefore the sota as well. I just say one thing. We're not learning sota now. We won't learn it for a while. But this idea of connecting it and therefore it's the daytime based on this idea of mishpat might just be okay it's just an arbitrary connection like you know we have a word we connect it but um, it's interesting to note you know the whole learn- the whole idea of sota is obviously presents certain challenges um, but what, one thing that is worth noting is that the way the rabbis maybe sort of similar a little bit to the whole Ari Nikwa thing that we've read recently you know take where the Torah is already doing that you take something that's more um, um, in the hands of like not about a legal procedure and more tries to bring it under the the control of a legal system. So we're as Sota in the Torah, right, that's a way of understanding the whole Are Niklat and you write Adam Doli and you take something that was bud a blood feud type of a ritual and you try to bring it into the control of a legal system. So the whole idea of Sota, you know, in the Torah is basically um, you know, the husband suspects his wife and he's uh, doing this and he's going to uh, you know and uh, and this is a way of testing and punishing her. There's no sense of any legal system there. It's about the husband and the wife and schlepping her to the base of Mikdash. But you know what the rabbis do is they introduce a whole legal apparatus. He has to warn her in front of two witnesses. There have to be witnesses that sees that she went in private with another man and so on. So while it does not completely bring it into the legal system, in the end it's through this ritual in the base of Mikdash. It's not through bringing testimony in a court. It is through trying to make it something of a less about the pure whim of the husband and something more about a certain amount of objective evidence and witnesses and so on. So I raise that now something to keep in mind when we get to Sota but I raise it now because here it's comparing it to Mishpat. Mishpat is Biyom and Sota is Biyom seeing the Sota process as somewhat in, under a Mishpat rubric. Okay, Ula Rivat Ha'egla, the breaking of the neck of the calf. Army Debe Rebianai, Kaparak Siv Bokakachim. Because it says, Kapel Amacha Yisrael Asher Padita Hashem, and it's atonement, and we just know all the atonements of sacrifices the daytime, this too is the daytime. Ula Taras HaMetzorah, purifying the Metzorah. Dikfiv, Zos Tertiyat Tarat HaMetzorah, Biyom Tarato, the day of his purification. Okay, Kololai Kasha Lekmitsa Saomer and for the um, uh, burning of the Hector Chalavim, the Amar Mark, Tzira Vesvira Belayla, the Havabiyom, because we teach the cutting and the counting of, uh, uh, and counting is at night, and the bringing of the Omer is at the day. Well, that's, that was very disappointing. Everything else we had a pasuk. Here you're just telling me, trust me, that's what we teach. So Tosarashi tells us, yes, you go ahead and you look, you know, um, in, um, in the Gemara elsewhere, in Menachos, then you'll see that the Gemara has a whole, like, derivation of how we get to the idea that the cutting is at night. So here, it's not that the Gemara doesn't learn it from Sukkim, we're just not bringing that in here, but we do learn that out. Okay? Tosus, by the way, gets to, it's just as a little bit of a practical thing. If you take a look at this little Tosus on Chafamut's back, we'll have, we have like one extra minute. He says, Kololayo Kachalikhtiyos Omer. So, Omer Rabbeinu Tam, Shimshachach Levarech Belayla for the Svira, because the Gemara said, Kitsira Vesvira Belayla. Right? Lo Yivarech Biyom. And then he gets the whole question of what's the story if you cut it beyond? Right? Similar to the question, like before, you know, when we said, okay, you start in the day, but if you do it late, you could do it at night when we were talking about some, some things, like going to the mikvah, certain things. What about by the ketzira? Let's say you forgot the ketzira's home at night, could you do it the next morning? So there is an opinion that you can. He says, here it's a more apt categorical it only can be at night and if the Ketira can only be at night and not the following day Sphira can only be at night and not the following day and then he gets on to having other discussions yeah I don't know anyway then he gets on to questions about so if you miss the day, night and you count in the day could you count the next night with the bracha all the types of issues that come up for us for Sphira Sa'omer so Omer has that whole discussion over here okay but he gets 
focuses on the idea that since it says dafk at night, that you cannot count the next day with a bracha. Okay, back to our Gemara. So the burning of the fats and the limbs of the sacrifices. Right, it says by the fire pyre that's fire pyre, by the pyre that's on the altar, it says, right, that you should burn it all night till the morning. So that's quite explicit that that's the whole night. Okay, Zakhlal, this is the principle. If it's a day, it's the whole day. Zakhlal, what is it coming to include? So David here says, have a filling, which is a good idea. But it's not what the Gemara says. Maybe we're still in the base of Mikdash mentality. So it is the putting of the little uh, cups of incense, the little spoons of incense on the lech- on the table, you know, with the lechem upon him, and removing them. That you can put, when you switch that, you know, which is done on Shabbos, so you could do it any time in the day. And now it's funny, you could have also said putting the bread and removing the bread, as we're about to see. Rebiosi, the tiny we talked about, Rebiosi Omer, see look at say Yeshana Shachi, it's the Sidras Achadasha Aravit, Ain Bechachlum. So this is not just the little things of incense, it's the bread. You know, although the Torah says that the bread should be on the table tamid constantly, Rebiosi says even if you took off the old loaves um, and you offered up the incense the first thing in the morning and you put on the new loaves and you put on the incense on the table later in the day, in the afternoon, and there was a big break of like, eight hours, ten hours between them, that's still okay. Why? Right, means, means, right, before sunset. Okay? What do I do with the verse, Lishnei Hashem Tamid, or actually, Lifanai Tamid, Shelo Yeshuchan Lechem. It means that, or Shelo Yalin is a better version, which is more precise. Right? It shouldn't go night without bread, but as long as it frames the beginning of the day and the end of the day, you're okay. So that's the idea of kol hayom. It could be, you might have thought that, no, it can't be later in the day. It has to be right after you took off the old one. No, it can be later in the day. Um, and how about mitzvah, a night thing can be the whole night. What does this include? The eating of the Korban Pesach. Look, Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah. Not like Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah. The time he's on the brayse. The achulat abasar b'layla hazeh. I'm Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah. Never come to layla hazeh. Says here this night you should eat the meat. For never lalan b'avardi beres mitzrayim b'layla hazeh. Pass through mitzrayim that night. This night. It's the same way God's the plague of the Chorot, God's passing through was it was until midnight. until midnight, and you can only eat the meat until midnight. Which is why some people make a point of getting to the Afikom by midnight. Tosos already mentions that. Look at Tosos. Although the Tosos before said we rule the idea of Daskas here at night, and he ruled by this Mishnah over another discussion in Menachos. Here he rejects this mission and goes by Rebel Ezra ben Azariah. Even though the Gemara says that we're that we're that we're rejecting Rebel Ezra ben Azariah, near the halachic Rebel Ezra, we rule like Rebel Ezra. Da'ika stamer bar Reb There's another stam mishnah. Da'chai kavasei yadana pesach achatzos mitamei seyadayim. And then Tosos spells out the practical implications. And then he says im kain. It's like five lines before the Tosos ends. Sarech lemaher lechol matzah b'leil pesachim kodem chatzos. You have to be, make sure you eat your matzah before chatzot. Not only the first kazayas of matzah, which you would say, all right, that's already the mitzvah. No, even the afikomen. Okay, so anyway, when we're learning psachim, we could have a longer discussion of does it have to be the afikomen? Do we rule like Rebbe Lezab and Azari? Are there other ways of dealing with this? But anyways, that, some of that is linked to exactly this issue of mitzvah so kol halayla. Hadron alach hakari